Welcome back to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. We're your hosts, Andrew Jarrett and Nick Cooper. Today, we're joined by Yana Epps. Yana has over 20 years of real estate experience, which includes lending, wholesaling, rehabbing, interior design, consulting, and being a California licensed agent. She currently has ownership in over 244 multifamily units with a focus on raising capital and investor relations. Yana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it, guys. Great to have you here. Absolutely. So I guess, how did you get started in the real estate world? So um, rewinding back to maybe my teenage years, I was fortunate enough to have grandparents that were real estate investors. I didn't really know at the time that I would be like what capacity I would be in real estate, but I knew that I would be in real estate just because it seemed like the natural thing to do. I saw my grandparents work full-time jobs um, and they had a massive portfolio. And I remember just being so intrigued by how were they able to acquire all these properties and live the way that they were living, you know, supplement their income. Um, hmm. By the time I was a teenager, my parents were like flippers and there were just a lot of influences in, in my earlier years. And so initially, you know, I'll give you guys a little bit more background because the honest to God truth is I was a regular average teen and I had some issues as a teenager. So I started to mess up in high school to the point where my regularly planned schedule of going straight to college and going into a field of law enforcement did not pan out the way that I wanted it to. So right around <clears throat> age 17, I went into the military hmm. uh, because I wanted to kind of escape home and find my independence and just kind of grow up and have my own source of income. Um, as soon as I got back home, I went right into working in a corporate job, but um, it just wasn't enough for me. Like I've always been a go-getter. I think ha not having that degree uh, was probably one of my biggest professional insecurities. So therefore I just had to work really hard in sales and I started making really good money. And for most people, what's considered to be a good salary, you know, I had that, but I was living off of that, but it just still felt like it wasn't enough. Obviously, Nick, you live here in California, you know what it's like in the Bay Area. Um, I wanted to buy a house and have home ownership and then eventually get into real estate. So um, about five years after starting my corporate job, I got my real estate license to supplement my income. And I was thinking, okay, well, there's at least enough transactions in my immediate circle to get me started. So I was fortunate enough to have my grandfather give me one of his invest investment properties as my first listing. And I just kind of, you know, continued to list for family and friends. And I never really became like a full blown agent because my day job is really demanding. And it was really hard to grow my real estate business without giving it the attention that uh, a real estate business needs. But, um, you know, being a mom, a W-2 employee and all the other things that I had on my plate, it just got, kind of got um, tiresome. So I really wanted to accelerate the growth of my own portfolio, right? Having a real estate license is really just having another job, more income, but I'm not really building wealth. So I started to kind of switch gears and did some research about how to actually acquire a larger portfolio. And that's where I kind of found the strategy of wholesaling and I, um, just jump right in. So I started learning and teaching myself about it. And that was only supposed to be transitional. Use wholesaling to build capital, 
you know, continue to save and work and do all the things that I do, but invest in apartments. I knew that I wanted to do that because also being in the room with tons of investors and learning about different strategies and what works and what doesn't work, what causes the most pain. <laughs> I got to see quickly that, you know, multifamily seemed to be where it was. So I kind of skipped past the single family strategy. Um, again, going back to California, I was never interested in being a California landlord, but um, that was a really long answer. All to say that I just kind of grew up with early exposure and um, it kind of rubbed off on me, even though I didn't realize it was happening. No, thanks. I think going to California. So you being a California person myself or kid growing up here as well. Do you invest in California anymore? No. Um, the only investment I have is the one I'm sitting in and that's my residence. And I don't intend to have any other type of rentals in California. I think California is a great market for other strategies. I'd love to own some uh, industrial buildings here. I'd love to own some triple net. I would love to own other things in California, but not particularly value add multifamily. I just think it's too hard to execute a business plan here. Agree. That's why I don't invest in California as far as residential real estate. Exactly. But there's another, there's a lot of other opportunity. I'm actually hopefully going to uh, study to be um, a developer. I think that's the okay. opportunity here in California. In fact, my daughter, who's 21 in college, she studied undergrad uh, focusing on medicine, but she's going to re-enroll and get her developers license and go to school for real estate development. So she'll be on my team. Okay. <laughs> I'll be on my team. <laughs> hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Are you ready to maximize your real estate investing to its full potential? Send me an email at andrew at jarrettcapital.com and take your life and business to all new levels. That's andrew at j-a-r-r-e-t-t capital.com. So having your grandparents, I guess, doing all that real estate investment, what did they specialize in? Was it multifamily or single family or how you know, how'd that kind of play out? Single family and multifamily. So um, small apartments. I uh, don't know the exact size of the largest units they own, but I remember them owning apartments and single family assets. So it's pretty cool to think like, you know, I didn't see them as like rich people. So I'm like, well, how do they own apartments? And <laughs> I think that's probably the biggest misconception, even though they did own theirs outright. Um, when I actually learned about how to get started in syndication, I think that's the biggest misconception is that in order to own apartments or even have fractional ownership, you have to be rich. And that's not true, as you guys know. Oh, we know it too as well. So you're you're now in syndications. What was kind of what made you see the the light per se? Well, um, I think seeing the light had to do with just understanding that retirement has nothing to do with how old you are. It mm -hmm. really has to do with how much money you have in the bank. At the point where you can stop trading your time for money and you have enough money in the bank to um, yield interest that you can live off of and pull from. If you look at it that way, it makes you want to save and do more faster. So then you start looking at different real estate strategies to see which one will get you there the fastest. And just the economies of scale and multifamily really led me here. So that was the pivotal point for me, just learning that has nothing to do with um, financial advisors will make it seem like age is your biggest hurdle. You have until you're 65 to, to grow your savings and do the right things. But we're, we're fed that prescriptive 
advice because that's the norm. But I think if you look at retirement like uh, an amount of money, then you start doing things different because you don't spend certain you don't spend money on certain things because you're trying to accelerate that retirement date. So good point. <laughs> that's a good point. It's not just age. Everyone thinks, you know, 65 or 60, you get like a pension and a gold watch and that doesn't exist anymore. You have to <laughs> buy yourself that watch. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm fortunate enough that I work for a company that I got in 20 years ago. So I do have a pension, but I'm not looking forward to writing it out until I can collect that at full, you know, capacity or whatever it is. Right. That's, that's not what I'm banking on. You made a great point. Once you build up enough either cash or cash flow to support your expenses, right? Then you're pretty much free to do whatever you want. That's right. And when you really start to understand like how it works and, you know, I had to go seek this information. I already told you guys that I didn't have an institutional education, but I'm pretty proud of the fact that I taught myself how to become a subject matter expert and I sought out the information. I did podcasts and YouTube and books and conferences and networking until I was like blue in the face. But, um, you know, at some point you have to put it in motion too. So now what I'm doing is turning my theoretical experience into practical experience by getting active. So, yeah. So can you, can you expand a bit more as far as like going towards the active side, as far as the investing? Yeah. So when I made the decision that I wanted to syndicate apartments, I was, you know, pretty new and I didn't have a true understanding of, you know, the markets that it works in and just all the different components of a GP team. And as I started to learn, like what the roles were and all the different hats you can wear, how you're going to play, uh, how are you going to contribute actively? And I started to think about which one I'd be best at. I started to look at, first of all, my geography. So living here in California, I'm probably not going to be the person that does the due diligence or builds the relationships with brokers and does the acquisitions. I mean, I can, but it means that I'll be flying back and forth into the hot markets all the time, which is just not really feasible. So um, I'm really good with numbers and spreadsheets and things like that. So I've been sharpening my underwriting skills for about three years now, and um, I'm also hosting meetups and building a network here because I think that my focus and my specialty and what my background in corporate sales and marketing makes me best at is investor relations. So I focus on hosting events and building uh, relationships and just creating bonds with people locally, virtually, all over the nation, just uh, to get to know people and understand their needs. So um, that's, the, that's my role on the active team. Uh, that's a great way, especially to get in quickly. I think the two ways to get into deals quickly or to build your portfolio is to find the deal or to raise the capital. And that'll get you into a large deal much quicker than just trying to do all those things at once. Exactly. So I, I always like to say it's either you're going to bring the money into a deal or you're going to bring a skill set into the deal. And um, sometimes it's more than one. Like I just mentioned, I can do underwriting. I can do investor relations. Um, I love to do due diligence because I'm such a hands-on person. It would be what I'd really love to do. But like I said, um, once I started to learn more about multifamily and the, the best markets and where it works best, uh, California is not one of them. So 
Um, who knows? Maybe I'll end up living in one of those markets. But for now, I'm just going to focus on staying in my lane. Are you looking more right now as far as linking up with with great operators or great markets or kind of like the both both? I'm glad you asked that question. Our business model is truly finding partnerships that um, we're working with teams where our skill sets are complementary, uh, people that have enough track record and success that we can kind of vet them in that sense, but also they're not so big that they can go raise $5 million in 24 hours because then they probably don't need somebody like me because they've already like outgrown the services that I can offer. So um, we're looking for, you know, kind of that mid range operator that has proven themselves, but also needs help with investor relations and attracting capital. So our business model is to first focus on the target markets that we like. So, um, and when I say we, I'm talking about my sister, business partner, Rhea uh, Cotton Landry. So we formed uh, Connected Capital Partners um, this year. So we're focused on uh, Atlanta Metro and also Dallas-Fort Worth. There are two target markets. And within those markets, we like to find operators that meet the criteria that I just mentioned. They've done some full cycle deals. <clears throat> they are doing value add multifamily, which is our space for now. And then, you know, we want to build long-term relationships with them because as you guys know, creating, uh, well, spending time vetting a market takes a ton of time. And then vetting an operator takes a ton of time. So if we can put those two things behind us and just focus on vetting assets and opportunities, it saves us a bunch of work. So that's what we're trying to do right now. Um, if anybody's watching this and they are interested in partnering, uh, we'd love to have a call with you and just talk through like how we can add value. But we have some solid partners right now that have done a, a ton of deals. Um, our goal for our business is to move into the fund space. So right now we're doing deal specific syndications, but we want to launch a fund that would allow us to offer our investors some flexibility and agility and the opportunity to kind of diversify their investment in other asset classes. So looking at self-storage, looking at short-term debt, looking at industrial warehouse, just other things that we can add to the pot that um, would help us diversify as well as our investors. Okay. That's a lot of things. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I would have done it two or three years ago, but all of my research said, hey, you can't really launch a fund if you don't have a track record. I just got back from Fund Launch Live. I was in the room with 2,500 successful, either aspiring or already existing fund managers. And I feel otherwise now because I think the, the seeds that I've been planting and the relationships that I've been uh, forming, I, I think that we would have a lot of success with the fund immediately. So that's next steps for us. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I guess uh, knowing what you know now, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell her or maybe not tell her anything? Um, this is a good question too. So I think I would ask, I would tell myself to be more aggressive. A lot of times I feel like I've always been a very, um, I've always had a lot of aspiration and I've always had a lot of confidence in my ability to be successful. However, I think we all get, we reach that point where we have the 
the idea, we have the plan, but we don't execute. And looking back, there were several times where I started to think about starting a business or doing something and I didn't do it because of fear. And that's what I would tell my 18 year old self is to take action and be aggressive and also save more money and invest more money. Um, I was always, you know, investing in retirement accounts and trying to invest in real estate. But a lot of the things that I did and bought as a young adult, I really regret but I had to grow into this mindset and really teach myself better habits. So now I have a 21 year old, like I mentioned. So I really do have the opportunity to tell my young self what to do and what not to do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. She's lucky. She's got a mom that can kind of guide her, you know, at a young age like that, especially with your experience now. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw, but just the other day, <laughs> I check in with her quarterly and ask her about her finances and how she's managing money. Just the other day, I found out she had $8,000 in debt and mm. she didn't tell me about it. So <laughs> that was a big, big deal. And it really broke my heart to see her fall victim, even though I've been teaching her better habits, but you know, stress of school and just all these different excuses. She gets a one-time bailout, but that's it. You know, yeah. now she has to learn on her own. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like the bank mom. Bank of mom. That's it. <laughs> That's it. One time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I guess what would be the number one takeaway you'd want our audience to absorb from, from this episode? Um, it really starts with mindset. I talk about that a lot because like I mentioned, you can read, you can research, you can get stuck in analysis paralysis. Um, and it's very easy to fall into that because sometimes we doubt ourselves. And if, you look at failure as an opportunity to be better and you really embrace the outcome, no matter what it is, then it will inspire you to do more and take action. And that's what I'm really passionate about. So even the things that scare me now, my dreams are humongous. Like I'm embarrassed to tell people how big I'm dreaming, but now that I have adopted this mindset, nothing's going to stand in my way. So I really like other people to kind of take that on and I can help them do that too. That's awesome. I think what do they say is don't tell a small minded person, your aspirational goals, right? You got to keep them to no. yourself. Mm -hmm. Just don't even bother. They're going to yep. shut it down, criticize you, warn you. <sighs> not the, not the way to go. Yeah. Nick and I always say you got to get around the right group of people, you know, level up your friends and, and uh, your associations. Cause even though, You've probably heard this a million times. Your network really is your net worth, right? It truly is. And one thing about real estate is you can get started in real estate with absolutely no money. You can be a super connector. If you have the right relationships and you know the right people, you can be compensated or included in a deal or a transaction just because you know two people that are trying to accomplish the same thing and you mm -hmm. can connect the dots. So your network is truly your network. I know I do a lot of networking. Sometimes people ask me why I spend so much time doing that. But my Rolodex, my Rolodex is extensive. And that is so valuable in this business. Yep. Yana, what, what do you think most people get wrong with networking? Like, what are they not doing right? Well, if you're going to show up, you better speak up. Right. So one thing that I've seen and witnessed is a lot of people like to be in the room and they're taking notes. But if you're not going to tell anybody what you're there to accomplish or ask questions, then it's really for nothing. So if you're going to show up, speak up. That's my philosophy. 
That's a good point. Like, just to add to that, it's like we always tell our students is like, hey, go there with a plan. So at least meet to two or three people and then you have to follow up. It, so. The plan, that's the, that's the key, right? You know what you're there for. You know what the, your call to action is for yourself. Yeah. And I make it a point to try to collect, you know, 100 business cards, shake 100 hands a month. It's not a lot when you really think about it, because sometimes you're in a room with 100 people. So you have an opportunity to meet as many people as you can, you know, keep your conversations short and brief. Um, try to meet and introduce yourself to as many people as you can. And everything's in the follow up. So you don't have to spend all night talking to one person, learning their background and story. You right. get to know who they are and you get back on a, a follow-up call with them and learn more about their business and what happens next. So. Yep. That's a great so point. Move around, move around. A lot of people will get the cards, but then they'll just never follow up. That's true. And um, I'll even admit sometimes it's hard to do all the follow-up because I'm literally sitting on a stack of cards right now that I need to have input into my CRM from three different conferences that I recently attended. So I'm a little bit behind but eventually I will follow up and make contact. And the sooner, the better, definitely. Um, but sometimes we fall a little bit behind, but just make sure you come back to really build a relationship. It's not about meeting people. It's about building relationships. Now, that's a good point. It's not just about collecting cards. Like you said, you have to actually use those and think about your, I had one mentor tell me like years ago, I was like, hey, you're a cup of coffee away from that next connection that's going to make a difference. <laughs> And you never know who's going to be that connection. And you can't discount anybody from their experience or what you think they have going on or what they don't have going on. You just never know who's going to put you uh, a step ahead. It's true. Now, Yana, we got one more question for you. Uh, but before that, could you give us your contact info where people can reach you? Absolutely. Uh, so on Facebook, I'm Yana Epps. And on Instagram, I'm The Real Property Princess. And my website is connectedcapital.partners. My other website is therealpropertyprincess.com. Awesome. So last question, if you could step into our shoes for the interview, what's one question you would ask yourself that we did not ask you? Well, the one question that comes up in mostly every interview, which is what's your why? I mm. think um, kind of like why I'm doing all of this. Mm. And it, it has evolved over time, but initially just to build obviously generational wealth and set myself free from the shackles of working in nine to five and be able to make any decision that I wanted to make without money having any impact on that decision and being able to spend more time with my family. But the evolution is now, you know, not just me setting myself free, but how can I make sure my daughter, my legacy has the same equipment and tools to, to make sure she sets herself up that same way. And for generations to come, because we want to break these generational curses and make sure that future generations have exposure to this stuff. And we're never going to fall victim to poverty. Perfect. It's a great why. <laughs> So now we get into our five to thrive. So this is the part where it's all word association. So I'm just going to rattle off five words, kind of rapid fire, and then just give me the first word or phrase that comes to mind. Just can't repeat your answer twice. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> first one is syndication. Passive income. Multifamily. Scale. Cash flow. Freedom. 
interest rates? Fluctuation. <laughs> <laughs> and Yana Epps. The property princess. Awesome. I like it. Well, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Yana. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. This was so enjoyable. I'm glad to do this. Thank you for having me.